just your reminder to subscribe. Thank you, friends. And welcome back to another episode of Asking for a Friend, the podcast where we try to answer the big and small questions in life. I'm your host, Elena, and on today's episode, January is almost over, and I'm sharing my ins and outs. Ariana's catchy bop that's kind of problematic. Also, it's the end of dry January, so now what? And today, my guest Samita and I get into why it might be time for you to put down the wine bottle. We're talking sobriety, but before we do, let's get into our first segment Have You Heard That? Welcome back to another episode, guys. This is episode 13, which is absolutely mind-boggling to me. How do we get here? I feel like I, I, still, I only just started it, and now I'm here recording with so many incredible people. By the way... I can't I don't I cannot tell you yet who's going to be on the podcast this year but I have such incredible guests lined up which I'm so excited but before we do that we need to get into one thing it's my birthday next week (laughs) and I really I this year I'm really excited about my birthday I haven't celebrated my birthday for probably four years now in COVID no one could really celebrate obviously and then in 2022 I was going to Guatemala for my yoga teacher training. And four days before that, uh, it was my birthday. And I did not want to catch COVID and therefore not be able to go to Guatemala. So I completely skipped my birthday there. I think I had like a little Zoom get together. 2023, I was just about to go to London. I was in my hometown. So I had a little, a little cake and coffee. It's a very German thing. We eat cake and coffee all of the damn time. It, it's why we get together. It's, it's, it's a meetup kind of thing. So we had cake and coffee with my grandparents, I think. And so this year I was like, you know what, Elena, you haven't celebrated your 30th birthday. You didn't celebrate your 31st. 32 is it. Also, 32 is in 2024, the year that is definitely going to be better than 2023. So this year I'm going to be celebrating big and I'm really excited. I, I, half the venue, the people are invited. I created such lovely invites. I got this as feedback. This is not just me saying that. I got this as feedback as well. And it was really important to me because I love doing nice things for the people I love. So even my invitations needed to look cute. And so I did. My birthday is on the 8th. So if you want to wish me happy birthday, please don't do it today because it's not my birthday yet. It's on the 8th of February. But all, every birthday wish is so appreciated. I Every year at my birthday, I want to get into that age is just weird. And it's just a number. And on the topic of turning 32, how am I supposed to feel? And this goes out to all my people listening here who are already 32 or 34 or older. Is it, are we meant to feel like we're not that age? Because when I think back to the time when I was 20, I looked at 30 year old people and I thought they were fucking old. And I'm not, I'm sorry to say that to everyone who's older than me, like 10 years older than me, I'm really sorry to say that. I thought y'all were fucking old. And I think everyone also looked older. Or is this just perception? When I look at me myself right now, I think, nah, that's okay. Do I have a couple wrinkles? Yeah, sure. And, you know, I laughed a lot in my lifetime until now. So good on me. It's weird. It's really weird. On some days, days I think I'm like 22, 25. Though I do not want to be 22 or 25 again. Let me set that straight. It was a... It was a time that, yeah, we don't need to 
We don't need to repeat that. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful for everything that happened back then. So yeah, my birthday. That is a big topic this week. I'm still, I won't be celebrating on my birthday. I'm celebrating, I think like two weeks weeks after. Also, when did it get so expensive to hire venues? Asking for a friend. (laughs) No, but seriously. I mean, I, I am celebrating in London. So everything is a little bit more expensive there. But yeah, nonetheless... People, everything is getting so fucking expensive. But at the same time, you know what? We're not going into that mindset. We're staying in the mindset of, yes, everything's getting more expensive. So who's or who or what? I'm quoting my coach, Alex, here. Who's going to get in the way of my back today? No one. Not even me. Not even me with my mindset. So no, not everything is getting expensive. I'm just getting richer to afford everything getting more expensive. That's what when I say being Delulu is the Solulu. It's not me that coined that phrase, but I love being delusional. So that's what I mean by it. You know, we don't feed into the negativity. Absolutely freaking not. Before I go on a tangent here, Ariana Grande. Need I say more? So Ariana, we 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 used to stand girly. We used to love, we we still love her. We love her music. And when she came out with her new song, Yes And. This song immediately went on my running playlist. As I mentioned last episode, I started to do a little bit of treadmill running workouts again, even though I do hate running. But I got into like the the strutting, the strutting kind of thing. So that song is just has such a high pace and such high energy. And it's just, it's very, let's be honest, it's fucking catchy. It's so catchy when she's like, yes, and be your own fucking best friend and i'm like yeah you know what yeah i'm I'm gonna be my best friend yeah why not why not try that do i think in with having in mind what happened last year with miss grande that the song is it's it's a little if not a lot problematic so if you don't know what happened last year ariana was filming the wicked live action adaptation. If you don't know Wicked, Wicked is a musical, which also is based on the story of the Wizard of Oz and the witches, basically. And she is playing Glinda the Good Witch. And on that movie set, because we, I love that for her. I love that she's going into into acting and then she's doing that and playing Glinda is such a great role for her. On that movie set, she met Ethan Slater, who you might know now from TikTok because of his of the controversy of everything that happened there that I'm going to get into in a bit. But basically she met Ethan Slater, who back then had a wife and a newborn. So she met him, they were friends, and turns out they had an affair. The aftermath of that being Ethan Slater decided to break up with his, I think it's his wife. I think they got, I don't want to spit, I don't want to spit like false accusations truths which is basically just lies but they either broke up or they got divorced but they just had a newborn so that is a bad outlook you don't want to be a homewrecker it there was a lot about ariana in the press so for a long time there were no news like she had no statement to it now coming out with a song that's called yes and and there's a line in that song as catchy as it is it says why do you even care whose dick I ride? It's so fun because I don't have to bleep it out because it's my podcast. I decide what we bleep out. <laughs> but so basically, 
Um, that line, if everything I said before hadn't happened, girl, yeah, you do you. No one should care who's dick you write. Like sexual reclamation, like you decide. But in the in the wake of all of what happened before, yes. People do care what dick you write if you are being a homewrecker, if you break up a family. So you basically just absolutely damaged and hurt not only the other women, the other woman, but also that child's life. So I think the song, the song missed the point. And I had conversations a lot with with a lot of people about it. And that's that leads me to the question, can you separate the person from the music? It it feels really tone deaf. The song, when you listen to the lyrics it, and when you think of the situation with Ethan Slater, it sounds very tone deaf, very much besides the point. So that's the question. It's the same with Chris Brown, for example. What he did, horrible. Him as a person, no, can't stand. His music is good. So now is the question, can you still listen to the music, even though that person that's benefiting from you listening to it and who is getting the the money basically coming from that music, can you still listen to it? I would love to get your input on that. So if you are listening right now and you have an input to this, please send me a message on Instagram. I would love to talk about it because, yeah, it's 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 hard sometimes it's hard to separate the person from the music i mean it happened to happened with michael jackson and yeah and chris brown r kelly um it's even though not the biggest r kelly fan of his music like there were some bops in the 90s but other than that but with chris brown he's still he's still making music he's still very much selling out tours so where does it end where is the line that we are drawing or have to draw so much so for that. I wanted to share one more thing. I got influenced by my friend Chelsea, who you have heard on the podcast before. If you haven't listened to that episode, it's the one on solo traveling. If you should be a digital nomad or not, definitely get that a listen. But basically, she had an ins and outs list in her Substack, which I highly recommend you subscribing to as well, because it's fucking genius. It's so good. Chelsea, if you listen, this Substack is incredible. So she has an in and out list and I got influenced by this and I want to do my own in and out list. She did it at the end of the year and I decided, you know, I'm going to do it end of January. Why not? So here are my ins and they're really specific. Um, Not everyone will agree probably. These are mine. So, okay. Being delusional, number one, that's an in for me. So without further ado, here are my ins and I won't be, I may be elaborating a little bit, but I won't be elaborating everything. So in being delusional, duh, requesting big celebrities for your podcast. That counts as being delusional. And I will, Florence Pugh, I will have her. I will have her at some point. I don't care when she will be on this podcast. Adding more gifts and formal conversations. Yes. Glitter. Human design. I'm a projector. If that doesn't tell you anything, look it up because finding out your human design is freaking fun and it helps you understand you and how you work. Gen Z hairstyles. Fuck yeah, so much more fun. Leveling up your finance game, investing, saving, being financially literate. I have started this this year and I am so excited because it's I, I cannot wait to be a financial fucking baddie. Being cringe. That's an in. Taking breaks. This is your this is your call to take a break. Restock video creators. 
I cannot. I would love to fill a whole episode about this. It's so soothing. I don't know where they get those huge fridges from. The ice restocking is I'm I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. I will watch every single video that comes across my feed. I will watch it from start to end and I will probably watch it again. So, Jeremy Allen White. Moving along. Fantasy books. Also, nothing to add. Double texting. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be triple texting me like ding ding ding. It's me again, mother trucker. I don't know why I'm censoring myself now. I've never done that. But And the last one for in is Virgin Aperol Spritz. Do I believe that Aperol Spritz has run its course and it's no longer the drink of the it drink? Yeah. I remember being in, in Rome in like 2000, what was it, 17? And drinking Aperol Spritz for about two or three euros. Now, now they go up to 12, which is fucking preposterous. So don't pay that. Please don't. That rounds up my ins, which brings me to my outs. Weirdly specific again, but um, I hope you like it. So, and if you don't, well, write me your outs. Okay. Out. Street interviews. Can't deal with those, in, with those videos anymore. Mad rife. Also won't be elaborating. Accepting the bare minimum. We need to stop that in 2024. Okay. Only reading self-help books. I cannot, I, I love my self-help books. I have a bunch on my nightstand right now, but I cannot, for the love of God, I cannot deal with the people anymore who are only reading self-help books who are like, yeah, but fantasy, that's like, no, that's not intellectual enough. Okay, cool. Let me read my fantasy books. Fine. Okay. I'm going to let you read your self-help books. Thanks. Bye. Netflix. Netflix is an out. Doubting yourself, also an out. Caring what other people think. We stopped that this year, okay? Playing the waiting game. If you want to text them, text them. If you don't, don't. And this goes the other way around. So no more freaking cat and mouse play. Ugh, that's such an, that's such an ick. Waiting to be asked out. Ask out anyone who is crossing your path. In, consensually, of course. Like, don't, don't be a creep. Beige and gray aesthetic. I want to be more of a maximalist this year. Almond moms. Mm -mm -mm. We want to eat. Hustling, glorifying, working overtime. That's another thing. We love taking breaks and we are no longer here for the hustle mentality. Why? Because what if it's supposed to be easy? Think about that. Also and out, not wearing sunscreen. Please, everyone, wear your sunscreen. It's good for your skin. And hyping up getting wasted. This is a great segue into our topic today because today is the 30th of January, which means in two, in one day, so in two days, basically, dry January is over. And if you have done dry January, how did it go? Um, I feel like a lot of times drinking alcohol and getting wasted has been glorified, especially in college, I feel. But what about staying sober? And that's why I'm really excited to get into this episode. And maybe, 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 maybe we can convince you to extend your dry January for just a little bit longer. You know, maybe giving dry February. I didn't find another fun word for dry February. It all sounded really weird. Dry February. Maybe you give that a try. And if I haven't convinced you yet with my ins and outs list, as I'm such an influential person right now, maybe my conversation with my guest today will. So without further ado, let's jump into my talk with Sam. 
All right. My guest this week is an incredibly inspiring woman. Sam is a marketing director at Nike. She's been with the brand for 16 years, worked all over the world with Nike and currently holds a position at Nike EHQ in strategic partner marketing. I have gotten to know her as an incredibly kind and passionate person, and we share our passion to live a sober life. Why we do it, what was hard about it, and how to make it fun, we're going to get into it. Welcome to Asking for a Friend, Sam Dobley. Hello. Hi. Intro. It's kind of embarrassing. Oh, by yourself. <laughs> you probably hear that all the time. Like, I mean, you are, and I mean that you are such an incredible and inspiring person. For the listeners who are tuning in right now, Sam and I only had one conversation before that, and it lasted about an hour. Even though we were like, "Yeah, we have like thirty minutes, and we're just going to talk about when you're going to be on the podcast," and. And there we were and talking about our sobriety already to the point where at some time I said, Sam, no, 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 we have to keep that for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. It's, it's um, fun to kind of find someone, you know, similar spirit and, and journey. So it's exciting. I think our journeys are different, but yet that's the beauty. There's so many similarities. Yes. And with, with sober and, and it's still dry January. Um, so it's today when you listen to this, it's the 30th of January. So it's one more day of dry January. And maybe I already uh, kind of teased it in the intro. Maybe we can persuade you to make it dry February as well. So who knows? Let's see. But Sam, thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure. Do you want to share a little bit about your journey? Because I feel like your journey um, and especially your professional journey, because you are, you've been with Nike for over 16 years. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's, that just says, uh, yeah, no, it's, that just says a lot about the brand. You know, I'm very, it's an incredible brand to work for. And I was still in college when I joined uh, the brand in, in Portland, in Beaverton, where the headquarter is. And I was just an immigrant from India, foreign student, and um, just completely blown away by the by the incredible, you know, obviously campus and and the values of the brand, the people, the leaders, uh, the spirit of the brand was really really special. So, um, and Nike's been there for me. You know, did my work visa. I was able to, you know, do various roles. Started in marketing about 11 years ago, worked across uh, Latin America, Asia, Asia Pacific, uh, North America, global, and now in Europe. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun and, and a lot of growth. Yeah. Uh, in many ways, I always say like Nike is a, a country I live in because I've lived in a few countries growing up in India, living in America, studying in America. Um and now obviously living in Europe, but I think Nike is almost longest place, you mm -hmm. know, in a way that I, so I have a very strong uh, connection, bond, uh, sense of identity, you know, with the brand and the purpose of the brand. It's yeah. so special because nowadays, I don't know a lot of people that stayed with one brand or in one company, one job for that long. And it says a lot about the work culture. It says a lot about the environment that you're working in if someone stays that long because yeah yeah the only thing is it's never been one job you know yeah. like you always move in a few years me and my brother who lives in portland we're having this debate and he's like you've been with one brand and i'm like yeah but i've w worked across so many different countries and yes. cultures and different types of jobs and 
it just gives you a, a different perspective. And that's also the beauty of the brand kind of, uh, influences you, um, inspires you to try different things to kind of get that holistic yeah. experience as you grow and become a leader within the company. So yeah, it's exciting. What was your favorite place to work for Nike yet? Because you said you've been all over the world. So where would you say was your favorite part? Was it Portland? Is it Amsterdam? Oh, it's, um, well, I've, I've worked in many different, uh, part of, uh, the world with Nike, but I've not lived necessarily, uh, in all of those places. I really enjoyed working with the South Korean team. Mm -hmm. that they're one of my favorites, an incredible market. They're so hardworking, so innovative, so inspiring, humble, uh, an incredible culture. I really enjoyed working with that team, but as far as living and working in a Nike office, I really enjoy Europe. European yeah. headquarters is really fun. Sam, I'm going to get right into it. Who's your celebrity hall pass? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I didn't have much time to think about it. And I don't I don't have this sort of like a celebrity thing. Um, I think only because it's recently on the news. I, I was watching, seeing some podcasts or not podcasts, some videos of Ryan Gosling. And I think... <laughs> He would be one of them because he's really funny. He's got a really good sense of humor, um, but I won't say it's a hall pass. I admire that sort of humor, sense of humor. So I definitely uh, would love to, you know, have a chat and then just be inspired by that sort of thinking and yeah. quick wit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we fell in love with Ryan during, what was it? Crazy Stupid Love. And then he came around with like such incredible movies and now him being nominated for an Oscar for Barbie and just, yeah, no, I love that whole pass. I actually love his podcast, his uh, video. I think one of them that popped up on my YouTube was him talking about his wife. It's just, mm -hmm. it's really beautiful. Like how, uh, yeah, how he like wanted to be a star and like kind of like his wife is the star. It's, it's beautiful. Like it's wonderful. Like to see that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I admire his, uh, his wit for sure. Yeah. He speaks about her in such high tones and it's just incredible to see such a, such a supportive marriage. And uh, ma wait, are they married? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, I don't know. I well, think they might be married. partnership. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Hall pass. Hall pass is approved by me, which in this podcast right. is basically the only ruling. <laughs> the ruling. <laughs> <laughs> You're approved. It's approved. We Thank can continue you. with the podcast. Um, what is an unpopular opinion that you have? Ooh, you and I didn't talk about this. We're getting right yeah. into it. And I actually haven't, as I said, haven't had a whole lot of time because we, we decided to do this podcast very quickly yeah. to kind of meet the dry January uh, kind of timeline. Um, so I have, I, I'm just going to say it as, a, as I think about it. Um, I think, you know, it's not necessarily unpopular, but I ponder on this, this notion of, I represent certain diverse elements, right? I'm from, uh, I'm obviously a woman. Um, I represent that, but also I'm from India, grew up there. So, I'm, you know, I have that diverse background as well. And I think diversity is obviously a really important cause and topic and not even cause. It's, it's, it's an element that we, we, you know, it's rightfully discussed and considered uh, right now. And I think sometimes being a representative, you, you feel a sense of weight, mm -hmm. right? To be a certain way. 
uh, I represent, you know, this group of incredible women and I'm the lucky one to be able to, um, you know, be somewhere where I can have a voice, you know, and, and I really appreciate that this journey I've had hasn't been easy. Um, but I also sometimes feel in, in certain areas, perhaps work or in other environments, sometimes you may feel that pressure to, Mm -hmm. to represent not just yourself, but that community, you know, and which is, that's beautiful. And that's an honor. I also think it's so important to be you and not lose that. Um, The process of uh, representing that you shouldn't try to be someone else, Mm -hmm. you know, because that is also the beauty of diversity that, you know, just because I am of an Indian origin, I grew up there and also I'm a woman. There's so much diversity within that, you know, so so I do think sometimes, you know, that that's sort of a friction I find where it's like, oh, you represent this, you know, you have to come across certain way. And, and I just think we are so many things, Mm -hmm. you know, we are goofy, we're uh, vulnerable, we're silly, we have emotions and uh, also me living and working in so many countries. um, I am, you know, I, I attach to so many things now that I just want to, you know, I I really want to stand for that. That just be you as we continue to work, we're all working progress as we continue to try to do be better and it's not, shouldn't be as, as you know, we talk about it, not for others, for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's so important to keep that and not feel the pressure to represent a community and in that process, losing the essence of you and representing that. Yeah, because you always feel like underneath the, like the looking glass, right? Like you're yeah. always, you're always yeah. on display, you're always trying to put your best foot forward for the community and they're, I can imagine like even though for me obviously I'm a very in a very privileged position there as a white woman and it's I don't have that specific weight but especially in in what you're saying like standing for a whole community and it's I love that like I, I love your unpopular opinion because it's so true and it's so vulnerable and I feel like that even for the short time we've known each other that's what I really come to respect you for for just saying it how it is like seriously the first time we met it was like we 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 knew each other forever we were just diving right in so thank you for your vulnerability thank you for that thank you same to you really oh my god oh oh, oh, I already love this okay (laughs) Sam I feel like we want to talk we want to dive into our topic right away because this is this is okay I'm going to share this. I shared this with you, I think. I want to share this with the listeners as well. I wanted to do this this specific topic, sobriety, or how I called the episode, should I put down the, the wine bottle? I wanted to do this since I started the podcast. And I was looking for someone to talk about it. And I, for the love of God, did not find anyone that really was fitting for it and when so how we got to know each other is through Camille who you guys who are listening know from the episode how do I stop obsessing over man and he was so kind he's like oh my god you should talk to my friend Sam because she's been sober for so and so long and I feel like this would be perfect so he was thank you Camille (laughs) when you're listening thank you so much Camille you're a legend love you Yes. Absolute legend. So, um, and when, then when we got in touch, I was like, yeah, it's time. It's time for this episode. So, um, to just dive right in, Sam, what's your drink of choice when you, when you go out? Now my drink of choice, 
is often a non-alcoholic, um, you know, wine or non-alcoholic, um, yeah, like cider, um, or if they don't have those, then just some sparkling water with some lime. Uh, but yeah, I've always find something, yeah. um, but uh, my favorite is when I, and Amsterdam is great for that. Actually. I mean, you go there, most of the places got something yeah. uh, that's exciting and you're not having to drink, you know, water, water. Yeah. You yeah, have, nice. to have a bit of, bit of fun. Yeah. For me as ginger beer, I really yeah, got I into it. ginger beer because I feel like it, it, it's again, it's not the water. It's not something bland that you always drink. It feels like you're drinking something also. I really, over New Year's, I got into non-alcoholic Aperol spritz, which, yeah, I have to share the recipe with you. It's so good. But um, at home, just so you know, I make this, I buy this non-alcoholic wine and I mix it with, uh, you know, Sprite or something. And uh, so many of my friends are hooked now. They go, they go out with me and they're like, I'll have the non-alcoholic wine with some Sprite, please. (laughs) So it's just a thing now. So yeah, it's quite funny. It turned a completely one, complete 180 because I don't know how it was with you. When I stopped drinking, King, the first I would say six months, I still got the comments. I still got the comments of, oh, that's boring. Or and granted, that was three or four years ago. So it's been some time. But the first six months, I got the comments of, oh, come on, just one shot. I was like, oh, come on, tonight you can drink, right? And did you ever get that? Oh my gosh. I still do. All the time. All the time. How long have you been sober? A little over five years. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, I still get it. Uh, Even with people, even my family (laughs) was visiting them in Christmas and they were like, come on, have a sip. And I'm like, dude, I don't drink. Um, So, and they were like, but it's just a sip. It's, you know, and I'm like, it's just a matter of principle. I I don't want it, you know? And, uh, uh, and then they're like, okay, fine. We'll back off. But obviously people don't know me. You know, then they obviously ask, but I also have uh, good friends and, and now it's less, but group of same group where Camille's from, you know, we're, yeah. we're a really tight group of friends and now they know. And even if they're having shots, they're like, can we have a non-alcoholic shot for her? Oh <laughs> so they'll like bring some orange juice with some, you know, ginger in it and I'll drink that. It's cute. But, but yeah, I still get it. That's Definitely. the best thing though. I have, now that you mentioned that, I just... I just remembered something. We went to a bar. Where was that? Ah, oh, my memory is getting so bad. I don't know what it is, but like, is it, is it me turning 32 next next week? But I don't know. That's <laughs> nothing. You're so young. <laughs> you are also so young. We are also, age is a freaking number. But I, we, went to, we went to a bar and then we challenged the bartender to make me a really good non-alcoholic shot. And he's like, if you don't like it, you don't pay for it. And I was like, deal, absolute deal. It tasted delicious. It was really good. And, I, and he asked me a couple of questions he's like, okay, do you like something fruity or something spicy or like something dry? I'm like, yeah, I'm a kind of like a little citrusy kind of girl. And it was incredible. And even now, my friends, I went to a house party last year um, in London and it was my friend's birthday and she actually had non-alcoholic gin there because she said, Hey, I want you to be able to mix your drinks as well. And that was so considerate. And I feel I, I don't even care anymore that I don't drink. 
sometimes I'm like, would I love to order a glass of wine and then they don't have non-alcoholic wine? Yeah, absolutely. But it's it got so much better. And I feel like it's even yeah. on the up and up that people don't drink. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, there's so many, especially towards the end of the year last year, I saw some some posts on, you know, the next generation, you know, that, that they're drinking a lot less. And yeah. also all the, you know, health gurus in the, in, you know, in the, back in the US. Uh, like Gwyneth Paltrow's the of the podcast. world. Yeah, but, but also like um, uh, Andrew Huberman, who I was thinking of, right? Like, speaks is incredible his podcast are so educational but talks about there's literally nothing but toxin in alcohol yes nothing but toxin and the damage it can do obviously for your brain shrinks your brain for your body uh for your health and um yeah, it's 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 incredible to to see the almost like a little movement going on, yeah. um, you know, that around uh, stopping drinking so much alcohol and making it to your. I think we talked about that how normal it oh, is, so normal. You know? Just in the movies, in everything, it's movie shows. It's just it's a character. If you pay attention, alcohol is often a character. Oh yeah, in it's like shows. The, it's like the wine at the end of the day when you have to take the edge off. It's the it's the casual, you know, when they have meetings, they they have a bar card with with all these spirits in there, and just it's so normalized. And even how was it with you growing up? Because you grew up in India, right? Yeah, that's the funny story. Because I did I when I was growing up in India and. I grew up in a middle-class family with my parents who worked really hard. Alcohol was not at all in the scene, right? right? Um, my mom, I think my mom recently passed. So I'm going through that process. I, I told you about that. Yeah. I found a video of her or a picture of her, me trying to get her a sip of alcohol. Like this was, you know, 15 years ago and she's making this funny face because <laughs> uh, she absolutely couldn't handle it or like it at all. So I didn't grow up uh, drinking alcohol at all and, and moved to America. Obviously I was a immigrant foreign student. I didn't even have that. So I, I think first time I drank when I was 24 or something, you know, 24. And, um, yeah, yeah. I didn't drink at all. Um, I didn't like the taste of it. I, I remember my brothers taking me out for my 21st birthday when I was in the U S and I was like, can I have a Diet Coke? Um, because it uh, wasn't my thing. But then, uh, but I think the first time I got drunk, uh, mm-hmm. you know, was 24. And I remember like it was a fun feeling of like letting go completely. And that felt good and liberating. And, and that's my first memory. But yeah, growing to your point, although now when I go back to, the, to India, it's very normalized, uh, you know, and it's very common in party scenes and all that. But, but yeah, when I was growing up, that wasn't the case at all. Yeah. And (laughs) listening to you saying that the first time that you had no interest in alcohol until like 24, I sound like such an alcoholic, but I feel like it's (laughs) people who grew up in small towns in Germany probably can relate because there is a huge drinking culture here. It starts, I feel like it's mostly, or I believe it's mostly from the sports clubs, like for example, football is really big in Germany. It's it's such a national sport. And my brothers, they all went, they all played since they were like super tiny. And it was so, it's so normalized that after games, they see their train, like their coaches, they see them um, have like a couple beers after, after a game or even after training. And it kind of just goes on and on and on 
through growing up, through adolescence, through teenagehood. And so here you grow up. I think the first time I drank alcohol was with 15, 16. I know that some people start way earlier because it has such an, it's ha it has such an appeal, right? It also is part of belonging because what if people think like, oh, you don't drink, so you're going to turn into an outsider. You don't want that, especially when you're in a friendship group or if you're in a smaller town where there's limited where there's limited options for you to belong to a certain group, right? And so, yeah, I really grew up with it. And there were a lot of parties. You wouldn't believe it. Like we don't have like big clubs or anything around here, but there were like school parties where, so in Germany, it's a thing for the classes from 11 to 13th grade. They throw these parties to get money to then fund their graduation and all that or their trips. So there was like something every, every weekend. I could be gone Friday, Saturday, most weekends. And, and I was. Okay. Well, you had fun. You had fun. I, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> It's all the experiences, you know, that we go through. So, but you're, you're right. I think, uh, I think um, I, I have a lot of friends that started drinking quite, quite early. Um, and also like, you know, I, I, being, you know, kind of curious about sobriety and about alcohol related traumas or, or issues or rather, rather alcohol that often was the solution to certain traumas. Yeah. You see a lot of kids drinking in early uh, stages of their lives because that's the first time mm -hmm. they could feel something different, you know, if they have had issues and challenges um, and, and how alcohol became kind of the solution for that. Yeah. Right. And, and so, yeah, culture, society, trauma, so many things kind of drives you towards that for sure. Yeah. Now I was just, I was just thinking for a second because I was, I was trying to think if I knew why I drank when I was a teen, if it was the, the societal expectation and just like belonging or if it was something else. I know the reason why I stopped drinking was because I didn't like who I was when I was drunk. And don't get me wrong. There are such fun stories. Do you, sh shall we get into it? You probably have a couple of fun stories as well, right? Go, I, sure. But you start. <laughs> Tell me. I will start. I will start. Okay. Um, what is my favorite drunk story? I have... I have a couple and the good thing is they are all just, they have the statue of limitation has gone on this, on those because they've been a long time ago, but those were my, my major party years when I was still, um, when I was still in school basically. And I remember one. Um, so since I grew up in a small town, uh, you could drive by bike everywhere or you would walk home. And one night I drove home by bike and usually my mom always kept the light on over the door, over the front door for when we got home. And that night, I don't know why, but she had turned it off and I was quite drunk and I tried for 15 minutes to get the key into the keyhole and I was just in front of the door. I was just like trying to open it. It was like, I was laughing about myself. And after 15 minutes, I was about to ring the doorbell at like two in the morning. And my mom just like opened the door and she's like, huh? It was a little bit much, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, mm-hmm. 
And then I went upstairs, went to bed and it was all good. The next morning, she just like, she, I really, really love my mom for this. She never said anything. Like she never scolded me about it because it was never really bad, I think, but she never scolded me about it. She, she would just make fun of me for like weeks on weeks and just would use it as the pun of a joke. Um, but also my mom brought a lot of trust to me when it came to alcohol. She always knew we had to leave a party at 12 when, because we were under 18. And then she said, I trust you that you return home immediately and that you don't go anywhere else after the party. So I know where you are, but I don't want you to drive home alone. So I don't care if you come home at one in, in the morning or two in the morning, but you don't drive home alone. And that gave me such a sense of trust. And I never misused that. I was always home and it didn't matter if it was like one in the morning or it was at 12, I was home and I didn't go anywhere else. And I feel like that's the same with alcohol. She never made alcohol a taboo topic. She never said, you cannot drink or you are not allowed to drink. But we got like sometimes with 14, I got like at my birthday, I could have like a sip of champagne and I didn't like it. I was like, that is disgusting. So I didn't want it anymore. But yeah, that is a lot. That was like a long TED talk about my drunk experience. I have like after the podcast, I could could tell you stories. They're really funny. They also um, with some, there were a couple of hospital visits, but not on my end, but on my friend's ends. Nothing, nothing super serious, but yeah, stories. Your mom mom sounds wonderful and incredible. Yeah, she's a she's a she's a good one. She's a really good. She's one of my role models for sure. Absolutely. Okay, Sam, I want to know yours. I want to know a funny drunk story of you. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, like so many of those moments, right? Where you, I instead of like saying one story, I think for me the funny stories are more where yeah, I'll just be really the goofy Sam, right? The Sam that like would just go talk to everybody and just bring everybody together. You know, in Amsterdam, we have King's Day and we have, uh, you know, gay pride. Those two are really celebrated in the city. The whole city celebrates. And those are fun times if you're drinking because you you just have no barrier and you can just really make friends and, and um, yeah, have a blast, you know. And that that's the part of drinking that I did enjoy where yeah. you just kind of lose any sort of uh, barriers and truly when you're in a good place you can really have a good time exactly. you know and that's the key if you i think for me uh, again alcohol works differently for different people but for me it was it amplified what i felt so when i felt good really- it was incredible you know but then i went through a difficult time and it init- initially became a crutch and then eventually it amplified the some of the you know, darker or more difficult emotions, but I still am grateful for it because that helped me realize that I needed to work through some of my childhood traumas and, and alcohol kind of activated it, you know, because it, it started to come out. And then that then led me to go on my spiritual path and, and, you know, which is one of the reasons why I stopped drinking was the journey to the spiritual path and realizing alcohol wasn't really, wasn't bringing me anything good and it was taking me away from kind of my path. When did you know you wanted to stop? It happened twice. I think, um, so once I kind of started working, like, as I mentioned, I was an immigrant. So it was a life of 
Yeah, growing up in India wasn't easy as a girl either. So there were some, obviously, we all have our traumas from our ch- childhood. I had my my share of those. And then moving to America and not having any rights as a foreigner, you know, I didn't, I couldn't go home for seven years after I moved um, for various reasons. I wouldn't get into it. And so I was studying and, you know, you really have to struggle. Like I, you know, financially you're struggling because I wanted to make it on my own. And, um, and so, yeah, it was a really like grinding, trying to somehow survive. Right. And then obviously Nike kind of opened this incredible world of opportunities for me, but I I wanted to go where career, career wise, I wanted to go somewhere like marketing. That's not easy to get into, uh, because it's such a, you know, incredible brand and marketing is kind of the heart of it. So I started a full-time MBA program that was in California. I was in Portland and I was also working full time. Yeah. And I think I was all the previous experience of being, you know, struggling as a foreign student, all of that on top of two full, one full time MBA traveling for that and one work traveling for that. I, had, I was in a relationship. All of that, like, put me in a burnout state, you know, and alcohol yeah. kind of became that, that crutch, like one thing that I would find to relax yeah. And at that time, now it's talked a lot about, I'm talking now, um, yeah, 15 years ago almost. And, and, um, I, we didn't know, I didn't know what a bar- burnout was. I didn't know I was going through that, you know? So I just kept going drinking like every day because that was like one escape because I would work and then study and it just was too much. And then, you know, my relationship started to fall apart. Work wasn't great because of all the stress I was taking on. Yeah. And it amplifies when you're going through something like that. So I think my relationship kind of started to fall apart. And that was when, that's when I first realized a lot of anger came out of me and a lot of sadness, anger. And that helped me realize, wow, this is not about this. This is a far deep rooted and that's when I stopped drinking for a year, mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of, I could see that alcohol was kind of activating the anger and the sadness more. And I was like, I don't want that. Uh, but then I moved to Europe and I was like, oh my God, I'm in oh Europe. God, I'm not drank for a year. I want to have some European wine. Come on. I want to live this life. And I kind of came back to drinking um, and enjoyed the wine, enjoyed the, you know, the experiences, yeah. the, you know, wineries and, and all that, you know, traveled around uh, a few places. Uh, and then, and then, you know, I, as I've told you, I'm kind of giving you a long, longer answer, but I, I wasn't doing well in the same relationship. I wasn't getting better. And I was feeling really lost. Work again was very intense and the relationship wasn't great. And I started to kind of really feel like, is this it? Is this life? Like, how can it be so, so harsh and difficult? And that's when I, it was a really funny story. My, one of my managers back then, he was also a bit spiritual and he was like, you should go to a life-changing retreat. And I was like, okay. So I come home and I'm like, life-changing retreat. <laughs> immediately get like all the pop-ups, immediately get like all the gurus. <laughs> and I had done some, you know, silent meditation retreats before that. But at that point, some random like po- uh, video popped up about ayahuasca. And I was like, I don't know what that is. I've never done drugs in my life. It's, you know, never been into that, any sort of drugs. So for me, I was like, what is that? And I saw two videos. I was like, 
this is for me. This is a message. I'm going to do it. I reached out to found somebody in, in the Netherlands that they, they do it. It was in a month. And I was like, I want to come. They were like, we just had one cancellation. You're in. It was went for that experience. And one requirement was don't drink for a month. So I stopped. Yeah. And, and there was like, no need meat for like two weeks or something like that. I, I went to why, why did they tell you why those specific things? Like why don't drink, why question. don't eat meat? Yeah, I think it's it's because uh, ayahuasca is such a it opens your energy up that they, they knowing uh, alcohol is toxin for sure, and yeah. then also um, meat. I think um, there's so many different beliefs in this, but uh, so that particular place prefers that you don't drink uh, or or eat meat, which I didn't mind following. You know, I I, I eat meat, but I was like, I'll, I'll fine, I will follow this. And that experience, I think I mentioned to you, completely opened me up and changed my life. That moment was very powerful. And and then I, I went to Peru after that because I'm one of those people that I, I really want to really want to experience the once I felt like, wow, the power of this, um, this incredible plant medicine, I wanted to experience it and went to the, you know, the roots of it in Iquito in Peru for 10 days in the jungle. Oh, wow. And, and had a lot of insights and that, and then when I came back and went back to like my normal life and drinking, I saw the shift. It was so clear to me that, oh, wow. Yeah. That's when I stopped that, that kind of led me to eventually stop drinking. Yeah. Because like you, um, you said, so you stopped drinking for a month, which was that easy for you to stop for, for a month? Yeah. It wasn't that hard. I think, yeah, I think it was for a month. Meat, I think it was about two weeks, but drinking was a month. I think it was one, two weeks before, two weeks after. I can't recall exactly what it was, but around that. And, but it was a month. I remember that, that I didn't drink. Yeah. Because why I'm asking is because, um, whenever I encounter people who then I, I don't tell people I don't drink. I'm like, hi, I'm Elena and I don't drink. Like that, that, that's not me. Um, that's your intro every time you, yeah, of you course. know, before I even tell them, um, what I do for a living, I, the first thing is <laughs> I don't drink, um, uh, please don't. But <laughs> the thing is what I always fall back to, which is quite funny, whenever the topic of, of drinking or alcohol comes up and whenever I then order something and people sometimes ask, Oh, do you don't drink? I was like, no, I, 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 I don't drink. And then there's a lot of times this interest into it, in it. It's like, Oh, why don't you drink? And I was like, I always feel like I have to explain. It's like, yeah, I didn't have a problem. I just decided to not drink anymore. But then again, I asked myself, was like, even if I had a problem with it, that is not to say that 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 had something to do with me, but I needed it to cope with something. So as you said as well, we use this as a band-aid that we put over something that is much deeper than that. So um, to get back to the original question, um, people then always tell me, they're like, oh, I tried it for a week and it's so hard because then I'm going to that birthday and then I'm, um, maybe I have like drinks after work or like after like we have a game or something. So that's why I'm asking, like, was it hard for you to, to stop for that month? Because you probably, I mean, you have a, a vivid social life. You are in a job, like, especially in marketing. I mean, I come from the entertainment industry, so we could be at any party at any point because there's always something going on. So how did you deal with that? I think 
Definitely the after the ayahuasca, not drinking was easier for yeah. the first month because uh, because it just it has it almost healed my nervous system in a way, you know. So that definitely helped. But even before, I think I didn't I don't recall it being a big challenge because I I think I was so focused on wanting to have this experience yeah um, that uh, it was easier for me I would say um don't get me wrong I think there have been moments where I've said I'm not gonna drink yeah and and then gone on to a party and a friend's offered a drink and before you know it I've had two or three glasses of wine yeah but I think it actually leads to a point that we can come come to later which is that's why I stopped drinking is not because I don't, for me, when I have a purpose, yeah, that helps me stick to, um, you know, my, that discipline, right? So when, when I knew that I was going to do this ayahuasca thing, and I knew that from everything I had done, the research, it was going to be powerful. And I, I've always been spiritual growing up in India. Yeah. It's something, you know, it's in me. And I knew a deeper part of me knew this was going to be something important. I think that kept me like, Oh, I have a goal and yeah. I will stick to it. And then <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story on that too. Like the first night when I did ayahuasca in, uh, I know this is not about uh, psychedelics, but it's such a funny experience. The first yeah. night I did it, nothing happened to me. It was a two night retreat. The first night, nothing happened. I was sitting there and people around me, there were like seven or eight people. I obviously they're all strangers and they're all like having experiences and they're crying, they're laughing. I can hear them. And I'm sitting there seeing like PowerPoint presentations, keynote slides and work stuff and oh TV God. shows. Like my head is so overloaded at that point. And I'm like, this is not working. And I kept going back to the, you know, the person who was kind of, uh, who's managing it. And it's like, it's not working. And he kept saying, trust this, trust the medicine, go back. It's okay. And I was sitting there looking at this lady. <laughs> She's adorable. And she was crying and she had a trauma and she was dealing with it. And I was like, she hasn't even followed the protocol. She told me she's been drinking and eating and she's having it. And I'm not, this You've is so unfair. Them. You've been snitching yeah. on the poor woman next to you. <laughs> this is so unfair. She, she just told me she came from Italy drinking and I've been following this and, you know, and then the next day I had the most incredible experience that he, like I said, it was, you know, so it's funny how, like I was trying to follow the, what they told me very, very clearly, but I think what they missed to tell me was not only stop drinking alcohol and uh, meat, but also try to detach from work and too much um, stimulation. Yeah. Because when you take the medicine, uh, ayahuasca is very much a medicine, I believe, it first amplifies what's on the surface. And then once you break through that, then you go deeper. And so for me, the first night was about kind of just amplifying all the stuff in my head. Like, uh, but no, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, as big of a deal for me to stop drinking then. But yeah. later, when I properly stopped drinking, I won't say that it was so easy. Yeah. But you know, but now you know, it's it's just way of life. PowerPoints and slides sound like such a bad trip. To be honest with you, I would be like the first day being there I would be like, yeah, it's working, but it's working wrong. It's like, <laughs> what, what is this? I don't want to hear more of my my the the Q one goals or whatever. But that is so interesting. I kind of I'm, I'm a 
I don't, I don't know if I would say I'm scared of it to do it. Like, have I thought about doing ayahuasca before? Absolutely. Definitely. I didn't know you could do it in the Netherlands. That is interesting. I mean, that's not too far from me. So, um, but I think I always am like scared, like what's coming up. And I think that is also the reason why, um, first of all, why I drank and also why I stopped drinking. Like for me, it was, I asked myself, because as I already said, I didn't like myself when I was drunk. I, I didn't like myself. I didn't like the feeling. My emotions were so heightened. What you just shared about like your highs were really, really good, but your lows were like rock bottom. I feel that because I would always joke. I would always joke like, oh yeah, by my first drink, I'm super happy. Second drink, I'm like dancing. Third drink, I get like a little depressed and then I need a fourth drink to get me up again. So I would joke about that stuff. And it's not funny because that shows you that there's something that you're not dealing with. And so when I realized this is not who I want to be, I asked myself, I had to take a deep look into the mirror and ask myself, why do I drink? And the reason was I was confident when I was drinking. And I, what you said about, you know, like you are more inhibited. You are much easier to go to people, make connections because you're like, you lose all sense of like, yeah, I'm, I'm not ashamed about it. So the shame kind of get, I feel like that's a, that's a big topic, shame in general. And so I felt when I was drunk, there was no shame. I could do whatever. I was confident. And then when I asked myself, like, why would I, why did I do it? I, I thought, but I don't want, I want to be confident when I'm me, not when I'm under the influence of something. And that is also exhausting to always have to be under the influence to be the version of myself that I would like to be when I'm just me. So I was almost like playing a role again. And that's when I decided, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop and see what it does. And I'm, and it's hard. What, what you realized, um, you, you shared something with me when we last talked, when you came back from doing our ayahuasca. You shared something about that you could see a shift in the people around you. What was that? Well, it, I could sh- I could see a shift in me in that I could almost see. Again, this is not about the plant medicine, but I'm bringing it out because it has been such a life changing experience for me. That was such a trans, you know, transformational moment. It was a it was a true. Um, because you open up and you're, you're, you're more sensitive, you know, and it doesn't stay forever. It goes away. It fades away after a while that, 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 you know, you, I always think of us as like side note a bit, but like, I always think of us like when we're born, we're this pure thing, right? Just raw energy, yeah. beautiful. And then I feel like life kind of puts all these stickies on you, right? <laughs> of, of, and some of them are exciting stickies, but some of them are like, stickies of stories of that, that then turns into shame. And then that becomes a pattern, fear, um, other emotional, you know, challenges that get stuck on you through these stories. And then you go through for those of us that are lucky, I think some sort of a crisis and you fall and you kind of start to crack. And, and then the rest of your life, I believe the second part of your life is about taking away those stickies so you can go back to your essence. Yeah. And that's a lot of work to get so much work. That is so much work. I think ayahuasca just accelerated for me in that process where I could kind of 
some of the stickies came off and I, I was very raw and I could sense things very quickly. And I could see that the moment I went back to drinking, I could see the darkness. I could feel there is a, there is an illusion. There is a, this in, in, in Hindi, we would say Maya, there is this, yeah. there is this alluring um, energy of alcohol that kind of pulls you in. And, and, and there's a sense of darkness in there. And, and I could see because I was in so much light and the yeah. moment I drank the first or the second night, I was like, wow, mm-hmm. you, you've lost that light. And it's again, very It's a, it's a sense, you know, I cannot really prove it, quantify it. Like no. there's no way of, but it just felt that. And that was enough for me to, I didn't stop drinking right away, but that was kind of the source of that's why it's a long answer to your first question. What made you stop drink drinking? That was it. That yeah. was the moment. Yeah. What is your favorite part about not drinking? Ooh, so many. I love so that. Many. Um, first and foremost, I think everybody would, you know, identify it with that. Like, I don't have a hangover. I never, I don't oh. have to worry about that. Right. Like I don't yes. have to worry about waking up, not feeling, and not that I wake up. I mean, I work a lot. Uh, I don't drink enough water and my body is highly sensitive. So there are moments when I wake up with a headache or uh, feel groggy, but I, I know it's not my own doing of like putting poison in my body. Um, so definitely I'm grateful for that. Um, I enjoy that. I think uh, there's definitely clarity, mental yeah. clarity that I'm able to keep uh, with, with, uh, you know, it's proven and I'm by no means uh, an expert, uh, but yeah, that, that alcohol affects your, uh, brain. And yeah. for me to want to, I want to be able to this one, you know, for us, for me to continue to use my brain and not, not have the, the, the fogginess or whatever. I, I think it's good for your health period. Yeah. Right. All of that. Um, you know, I really love, um, I really love about being sober and not drinking is I honor my boundaries so much more. Oh, and I give you, that. I give you an example. I am the person whenever I don't feel the vibe of a situation anymore, I leave. When I'm at a party one minute, I'm just like boogieing it up on the dance floor. The next one I'm like, whoosh, my energy is down. And I'm like, mm, I'm going to leave to leave back when I was still drinking. I would then be like, oh, I know I cannot leave. Like, what will everyone else think? I'm going to get another drink because then it's going to just like keep me going. It's going to keep me staying longer. But at the end of the day, or like better said the next morning, I'm like, the party for me was over at one o'clock. Why didn't I leave? Why did I stay until five in the morning? And now I'm feeling absolutely horrible. No longer do that. So I love that about it. I love that. You sleep like you sleep better. You sleep yeah. so much better. And don't get me wrong. I do sometimes not sleep well, but that's my absolute um, insane screen time. And that is something that that is another thing that I want to tweak a little bit. But yeah, you sleep so much better. Definitely. So much better. Yeah. yeah. What else is there? There's so many good things about not drinking. Also, the non-alcoholic beverages got so much better. Like when you mentioned the wine, my mom had her friends here um, over the over the holidays last year. And they always have these wine evenings. And usually they drink like eight, 
nine bottles of wine and my mom this time got two non-alcoholic wines because one of the women didn't want to drink so much or she doesn't drink at all. And at the end, everyone wanted to drink the non-alcoholic wine. <laughs> it was so it's so funny because it even changes not only with like the generations coming after us right now, but also the generations that are like my mom, maybe like, you know, people that um that just who grew up with a very intense alcohol culture. And I think that's beautiful. And it's no longer a, like, such a taboo topic, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, you're reminding me of the other point, which is it's not, you know, as, as obviously we're doing it for to, to kind of be like, hey, it's actually not that bad to not drink, right? And we're talking about the benefits. But one thing about if you, you know, if you want to explore, okay, I don't want to drink for a while. Well, obviously, one is what we're saying, alcohol is essentially a solution to something that you're trying to run from any sort of, you know, substances, uh, and including food, right. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's about running from something and, and alcohol is a powerful substance to kind of take you, jerk you out of that and gives, give you an experience and you want to stay in it. But beyond that part, like, oh yeah, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go and drink boring water. I remember feeling that going, oh, yes. I'm going to be, I just, water is so boring sometimes. But it's like replacing it with something. For me, that's been a biggest aha. And we've touched on that. Like, instead of thinking I'm not going to drink alcohol, it's like, what can I have? Yeah. Right. There are other drinks that are, um, taste decent. Yeah. You may not have that experience that high or whatever you feel. And that's, let's address that then, because when, all of us were kids. We were excited. Oh we my god! Had yes. a lot of fun. We didn't need alcohol. No. So all the stickies, as I was talking about, that's been put on us is blocking us from connecting with that joy, with that, you know. And and let's work on that separately. And then for your taste, get something. There is a lot of solutions. Oh, yeah. So you can feel better about like, hey, I'm, it's not that you're. Rep- replacing it's not that you it's a subtraction it's a replacement with something else and then work on figuring out how to unblock some of those stickies so you can you can actually go back to that joy and you know I love that that is absolutely and the comparison to us as being children yes we were excited about anything we would go into the woods and find a stick and suddenly the stick was a sword or it was you know it turns into um, a horse or a bridge or whatever our imagination was just so wide Also, another part of being sober is great. It's less expensive if you go out. Let's be honest about it. Like, guys, I don't I don't want to pay. I saw the other day in London, I saw a drink for like 18 pounds. And I was like, I'm not going to pay that. That's a meal. I could have a full meal with that. But to kind of wrap up the episode, Sam, what would you say to someone who's interested in trying out sober living and or also just came out of dry January and is thinking about doing it in February as well. You know, everything we talked about, I think it's, it's, it's always hard, hard the first few weeks, right. To kind of let go when you, when you are relying on any sort of substance, but it cannot be a crutch for rest of your life. Right. And, and, um, I think, one at a superficial level, there's a lot of other drinks you can have, uh, that, that's so, you know, the taste piece is covered. And then 
if it's if you're drinking it because it's part of the societal, I don't want to go out on my friends drink. I, but to your point, I have a very social life, and I it doesn't come in the way. I I can still go out, I have a good time, and then when they're drunk. I leave because exactly. it's not as fun for me. Yeah. And I can come home and watch a great show, talk to my dad, talk to my friends and, you know, who are in the US and, you know, in the middle of the night there, it's daytime. But the point is, you know, it's not, it's not that hard once you, you know, once you step into yeah. that, that sort of, that you're going to be somebody who's going to choose a healthier lifestyle for yeah. your body, for your mind for your spirit and then start working on, I think that's the key thing. It's like, if you feel like, no, but it's actually a way to solve or escape from something, then that is a different work that you got to do to, to find healing, you know, because at some point it's going to catch up with you. And as a last question to that topic, what would you, what advice would you give to people who say, yeah, but I am afraid that my friends are not going to understand me wanting to be sober. Choose better friends. (laughs) Facts. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Because the friends who, whose main issue is that you stop drinking and that what, that's what ruining your, their fun. Not good friends definitely not good friends they would want the best for you sam at the end of the episode i always ask my guests what are they asking for a friend so sam what are you asking for a friend right now you know i like i said i didn't have a whole lot of time to think about it i would say kind of feeling spiritual right now like all this conversation touching touching deeper things for me i would say you know, what would it take for us to stop hurting each other? That mm-hmm. the wars, the suffering that we're creating, you know, we're it's heartbreaking to me. Yeah. And, and I would ask, um, how do we stop it? You know, yeah. when do we see we're all the same and one? So it's a pretty deep probably for uh, for for today question for a friend. But that said, that's a conversation I would love to have. Yeah. yeah. I wish I had an answer to that because I feel the same way as you do. I mean, we do see the news, we do see the reports and it's heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking to see what's going on. So um, I think I'm going to leave this here like that (laughs) so that the people can message us as well. And before we exit this episode, Sam, where can everyone find you? I would say, yeah, my LinkedIn, Samhita Dobley and Samanero. But yeah, I mean... Um, they just, they should find you. You're doing the podcast (laughs) that, uh, that you carry on. It's such an incredible thing you're doing and kudos to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for having this chat. It was fun. Thank you so much for being here. And now it's up to you guys. What are you asking for a friend? What question do you want us to answer on this podcast? As always, you can find the question box on Spotify below. Otherwise, send me a message on Instagram at Elena Megan. There you can DM me anytime. I love hearing from you. Thank you again to Sam for coming on the pod today and talking about this very interesting and very incredible topic that I always wanted to talk about. And I will hear you next week, you guys. Have a good day. Bye.